Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran, best-selling author and a new string to my bow. I am now a bestseller on Substack too, so I hope you will join me there. This is a very special episode of the podcast and it is made possible by British Airways Holidays who are on a mission to make all of us take our holidays a little more seriously. You might remember last year I shared an episode all about my experience of travel anxiety and it was only honestly when I sat down to record that and really tease apart the anxiety that I had carried around for such a huge part of my life that I realised how significant it really was for me. And judging by the feedback I got on that episode, it's something a lot of you have experienced too. That episode also focused, most importantly, on precisely how I overcame those challenges to get to the point I'm at now, where travelling and holidays are such a joyful part of my life that no longer makes me feel anxious. Well, for this episode, we're turning our attention back to the subject of travel as we focus on the anxiety we feel around resting and even taking a holiday in the first place. Not only did travel become something I enjoy, it became an integral part of my well-being. Being able to switch off, and I mean really switch off, and take the pressure off is something I'm still learning to do. And while I know that's super important, it can bring up a lot of anxiety in itself for a lot of people. 
In this bonus episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by an expert who you've heard from in nearly every season I've ever done, psychologist Dr. Claire Kambamesu. She just has such a brilliant way of explaining things and putting the psychology side of our experience into context. We're going to try to help you and me move through and hopefully let go of the anxiety you carry around the prospect of switching off for a holiday. But before we get into it, a little context on why I'm having this conversation now. Did you know that 50% of employed adults in the UK fail to use up their entire annual leave? This accounts for half of British workers who miss out on their full annual break simply due to not finding the time. And with how we live life these days and our obsession with productivity and having to have something to show for our time and how focused we are on to-do lists, I'm not really surprised by this stat at all. I would think though that it's rarely a matter of not being able to find the time. I'd say that's more of an excuse but really we're just afraid of stepping away from work either because of the worry of what we'll come back to or because we just don't know what to do with ourselves if we're not proactively achieving something every day. I think we've forgotten how to rest and we've certainly forgotten how important it is. I work for myself and I have done for a very long time so I don't get annual leave but I've definitely struggled with the idea that if I'm not working I'm not earning. So it becomes even harder for me to step back for a few weeks. Even if we do get away though, 42% of those surveyed admit to feeling work-related stress when they do go on holiday, and 46% still find themselves working even when officially on leave. I am that person too, I have never not taken my laptop with me, I'm not sure I've ever had a day on holiday where I haven't checked my email. Well the first step with everything is admitting when you have a problem. So now with this episode we can try to understand why and what we can do about it, so we can start enjoying our holidays more and taking them more seriously. Claire, thank you so much for joining me. It's so great to have you back on Owning It. I'm delighted to be here. And this time we're in person. I know. We never get to do this. I'm thrilled. So just to go back to some of what I referenced there um, before you came on, does any of that as a psychologist surprise you or shock you? It actually doesn't surprise or shock me. I I wish that I had more annual leave to take. I am at the other end of the spectrum where I run out halfway through the year. Um, but I think our attitude towards rest and our social acceptance of taking a holiday, taking holidays or taking a break has really changed over the mm. last number of decades. Um There's been a significant shift, like you think about 150 or 200 years ago, um, people who had more money, who had more status, they tended to be people of leisure who maybe rested more than they worked. But it's almost Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be (laughs) lovely? Um, But it's almost been turned on its head where um, we see status in busyness. It's like saying that you're super busy has become a mark of of success, of maybe having more money, of, of status, of being in demand. And so there's something about how we value work that has really changed and I think then changed our attitudes towards taking breaks, the acceptability of rest, the acceptability of planning for holidays. So it doesn't surprise me that people are struggling to find uh, time to take their annual leave or taking, I mean, I do the same thing where I I actually feel a bit anxious if I don't have my laptop with me on holidays. Um, And that's something that I'm going, oh, I need to I need to work on that a little bit. There seems to be sort of two layers to it. So there's, like you mentioned there, the societal shift towards work and this badge of honour of being so busy and not stopping. And it's kind of a collective societal thing. But then on the other side, there's, like you mentioned there, this anxiety around we don't really know what to do anymore. We don't know how to step off or we feel it's almost, is it even worth that we question sometimes, is it worth stepping off the gas if we're going to feel this initial 
anxiety, even what to do with ourselves, like what to do with our time, because we're just so used to being so goal oriented. Um, and for me anyway, I've noticed that like a lot of my friends have only been able to work around that anxiety by turning rest into some other measure of productivity. Like, do you see that happening as well? Yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? That I think rest, I think of it as being a bit of an art form. Like it's something that we're not really taught how to do. Nobody says as a child, you know, you have to rest other than go to bed. So Mm -hmm. we start to associate sleeping or or going to bed with with being our only form of rest. Whereas there's a a difference. I, I do. I think of it as a spectrum, I suppose, where sleep is on one end of the spectrum and then kind of active rest is on the other end of the spectrum. So that might be like a micro break that you might have during your day or a cup of tea or meditation for some people. Um, But I think we've lost the art of knowing how to do that stuff. We Mm -hmm. know that we need sleep. We know that sleep is of benefit for us. But taking a holiday or those mini breaks during the day isn't something that we're really thinking about very much from from a young age. So I think we almost have to retrain ourselves. But then there's the risk of turning it into something that we have to achieve. I think there's such a hyper focus now on Um, us as individuals growing and developing ourselves. And we've never had more access to information that helps us to do that. You know, at the touch of a button, you can download an app that will teach you to learn a new language Mm -hmm. or teach you a certain type of exercise or whatever it is that you want to learn. So people have started to go, oh, you know, my downtime is learning something new. And actually when, well, what, how do you define rest? Like, what do you think of rest as being? For me, it's, I think I have maybe a little bit more awareness um, because of my mental health struggles that I've had in the past. Like I'm acutely aware of how important it is for me to downregulate and not be achieving something. So for me, lately, it's, you know, if, if it's not fully committing to being away, it's it's really like kicking back at home, watching something so not designed to stimulate my brain in any way, just super soothing and yeah, I guess I think maybe it was partly COVID. Like maybe that's partly why we're seeing these stats because we were like, well, now you have all the time in the world. So now a, like a lack of time is no longer your excuse. So what are you going to do about it? And it was more a case of, well, it's, n- it's not necessarily that I didn't have the time. I didn't have the bandwidth. And then people were achieving, like you say, all kinds of things like bloody sourdough bread and learning Italian. And then it became this competitive sport of... How are you using your downtime? And I think that's probably, we'd probably underestimate the significance that that has had on our reticence to slow down. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like slowing down and doing nothing if that's what rest means to you, is is lazy because you're not achieving something. And so I think we've kind of stigmatised this idea of slowing down, of of being inactive. And I, I think of rest as being, I mean, the image that comes to my mind is lying in a hammock on a sunny beach drinking mm. a pina colada somewhere. <laughs> but there's loads of different forms of rest. But really, it just refers to being um, inactive from labour. So not working towards something. So it, rest can mean many things for different people. But I loved your use of the word downregulate because what we're thinking about when we're working all the time or when we're permanently switched on is how our body responds to that. And so our autonomic nervous system does loads of different things inside our body to increase our heart rate or increase um, our breath rate or whatever it is. That And that's fine in the short term, but over the long term, that has implications for our physical health as well as our mental health. And so when we're down regulating, we're switching nervous system gear to allow our body to kind of slip into rest and restore, which then helps us to recuperate. So Mm -hmm. sleep, 
at a cellular level is something that's really important for our bodies to to recuperate. But rest, having that down regulation time, whether it's being in your pajamas on the couch or for some people it might be a particular form of exercise, like rest can be active or inactive. Um, It depends, like it's so varied from person to person. But the aim of it is that you are not engaging in labour, you're not engaging in towards working towards a goal so that your body has that time to downregulate, to soothe, to calm. Something I've noticed, and this I think is maybe part of what you're touching on, and this again is the societal sort of skewed perception around rest that we have. We've only become perhaps tolerant of it or willing to do it because we see it as in service of some future productivity. Mm-hmm. Like so downregulating so that you can then come back and be regulated enough to do your job and like be super productive and achieve loads of things. Mm-hmm. We aren't super comfortable with rest for rest's sake. Mm. Would you agree? I absolutely would. I actually want to read you a little excerpt from a study. It's this brilliant study called the Rest Test. Oh, I love um, that. So there's a woman called Claudia Hammond. She is a scientist. She's also a presenter, I, uh, I think on BBC. And they surveyed over 18,000 people in like 124 or five different countries across the world to find out about their resting habits. And what emerged for me that was really interesting is that there's some gender differences in that. Um, Um, So they talk about in their study that um, the words most commonly cited when people were asked to describe what rest meant to them uh, were peaceful, calming, comfortable, recuperative and sleep. A small proportion of people chose the words rare, stress inducing, anxiety inducing and guilt inducing. Significantly more women than men did this. And I do think there's something about, I suppose, our gender roles and about the the busyness, both, you know, labour being at work, how you maybe earn your income, but also all of the things that you do around the house or you do with care of, of other people. Um, and so I think there's something about how maybe women are more involved in those latter. I'm not saying all women. I'm not saying all men, just to clarify that. But we do tend to have more caring roles within our families. And then there's something about taking time away from those that makes us feel exceptionally guilty or anxious like if we're resting so we're not earning money and we're not looking after the people we love like (gasps) how dare we look after ourselves (laughs) we do that (laughs) on the subject of gender so the European Society of Cardiology revealed that men who took more than three weeks so this is men who took more than three weeks of leave per year were 63% more likely to live longer than those who took three weeks or less so gender definitely is significant here in terms Mm. of maybe our Uh, ability to rest, you know, from a social perspective, the the guilt that we feel, but also like biologically then it seems to be affect us differently, our needs for rest. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you're talking about adding time onto the end of your life, like you can't really argue with how significant that is. No. So let's just, I suppose, unpack a little bit from, from the psychology perspective. What happens to our mind and bodies if we stay, like you mentioned that heart racing or heart kind of going at a certain rate to keep us productive if we stayed like that indefinitely are we going to suffer any kind of impairment what's going to happen I believe so. So there's um, one particular theory in psychology that I I love and I use it when I'm thinking about different people's minds all the time and it's um, around self-compassion and that would suggest that there's kind of three different modes that we slip in and out of and these modes have different implications for our anatomy and how our body responds. So on on one you've got drive which is that that mode that you're in when you're at work when you're set on on achieving a goal where you feel motivated, you feel driven, you feel excited about what it is that you're setting out to do. 
And then another mode is the fight or flight or threat response, which is where we feel a threat of maybe an emotional threat of not being a good enough parent or partner or child or sibling or friend, whatever it is. Um, Or we feel an actual physical threat for people who are living in physically threatening environments. Most of us spend most of our time in those two modes. And those modes are associated with, um, I suppose, various different neurotransmitters and hormones being released in our brains that have an impact on our body. They do things like uh, send the blood out to our fingers and toes because we think we have Mm -hmm. to fight off a bear, even if it's a a psychological threat. Or they, um, so they affect our digestive system and our organ health. Um, They speed up our heart rate. So that has implications in the long run for cardiovascular health. the short term, our bodies are designed to cope with this. It's very normal for our bodies to go through these experiences and then go to the third mode, which is the rest and restore, the soothe drive. We need to make sure that we are we are spending time in um, in that kind of driven state at work. We are, of course, going to be pulled into the fight or flight state because that's just the nature of the world we live in. And so we have to make a conscious effort to get our bodies, to get our nervous systems into that state of rest and restore. Because otherwise, those organs that I mentioned, those biological systems are put under what's called toxic stress. And that's like putting your foot on the accelerator of a car with the gear stick in neutral. You're not going anywhere. You're just wearing the engine out. Um, And we have to be able to row that back a little bit to allow our bodies to regenerate. Um, So it doesn't surprise me that actually, and and the World Health Organization, we've become, I suppose, a lot more familiar with the language around pandemics Mm -hmm. and epidemics, unfortunately, in the last few years, but they describe stress as um, the next pandemic because so many of us are living in this constant state of stress um, and very few of us are prioritising taking the rest that we need to restore our bodies from that. So maybe, I mean, if if we think of it as in service to the drive mode that we, you know, that's where we go to function and achieve things, mm. maybe that's okay. You know, maybe it's okay if we do need to sort of feel like it's our rest is productive in some way, but it's still biologically, psychologically super important to get rest. So if in a, in a mind and body that is resting, what does that look like? Because I'm, I'm assuming it's not, you know, lying on a sun lounge or scrolling through your emails. Uh, quite probably not. <laughs> I suppose that's going to pull you back into a different state of mind. And rest can look so different for everybody. The, the idea of it is that it is a break from what you are usually working at. And so for it can be active or it can be inactive. It can be macro, so large scale or micro and small scale. So examples of inactive forms of resting might be um, a meditation, mindfulness meditation or another type of meditation. Um, it could be just lying there and just enjoying your your kind of time just lying there. It could be floating in a swimming pool. It could be, you know, having a massage. It's something where you're not actually doing very much or it could be active. So it could be exercise. It could be yoga. It could be running. It could be hiking. Interestingly, people do talk about um, spending time uh outside as being something that they find particularly restorative. Okay, so rest doesn't have to be doing nothing because I think people who are so used to being so go, 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 that's quite an intimidating concept. And like we know, well, maybe we think of going on a holiday as, you know, fly and flop, but there are so many holidays you can do with British Airways holidays that you could be super active on and, you know, 
and I suppose if your body is doing something, would I be right in saying if you're engaging in a hike, your mind kind of just goes into autopilot and then there's something restorative happening there alongside that? Yes, absolutely. They've done some research around daydreaming and how the impact of daydreaming on our autonomic nervous systems and how that helps us to rest and restore. So, I mean, I find it kind of inspiring when I'm outside and I do start to daydream a little bit more. There's nothing like being on your own or with people Mm -hmm. that you love just out in nature, whether you're swimming or or hiking or or whatever it is that lets your mind wander in a kind of more free and more creative way. Um, And so that that in itself is is a really helpful state to be in. Is there an ideal balance between those states that you talked about? I mean, obviously, we're going to go into the stress state every now and then and we need to be able to be there and, and know how to manage that. But like we're clearly not going into the rest and restore state often enough. Do you think like a two week holiday is enough or is should that be like a non-negotiable and then you work on your sort of daily micro rest that you can fit in? Like how important is a real big switch off? I think it's all important. And I think, I mean, there's, I suppose, a lot of people who mightn't have the privilege of being able to get away for two weeks or financially not be able to do it. So it's about, you know, what do they do if you're not able to do that? And I think it's actually about both. I know for me and for anybody who's experienced kind of burnout or feeling worn out from work, there's nothing like taking a break when you get to that stage where you're absolutely physically and mentally exhausted. You kind of need to step away from it for a little bit of time. And I think most adults can probably identify with that feeling of being like I just I need to I need to get out of this zone but I think the thing that helps us to to manage on a more consistent basis is those micro breaks you think about you know we know about kids in schools there's a reason why classes are between 40 minutes and an hour long for teenagers because we know that their brains struggle and I would argue all of our brains struggle to concentrate for more than 20 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes at a time That's why depending the podcast on the is never that long <laughs> exactly exactly because our brains aren't designed to do that so micro rests could be having a cup of tea or getting up or stretching, spending 30 seconds um, doing some deep breathing and a stretch every half hour, mm-hmm. making sure that you are taking your lunch break, making sure that you are incorporating, planning for rest at some point in your evening that is different to sleep. Because again, it's about your your overall well-being as opposed to just your physical well-being. Um, and I do think you were speaking about how that boundary between work and, and rest has, has become so blurry. And I think especially well, in the last phones number of years. have made it near impossible. Yeah. Like my office is my phone now. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to be away and have that boundary. Yeah. You know, and I've definitely had experiences where I think that I'm safe by just having, I'm just going to have a little quick check. And I could see an email and it could be something innocuous or it could be something that could just derail my day Mm. and then I'm having like my body is there in you know Dubrovnik but my mind is Mm -hmm. is somewhere else and then then you get stressed because you're like oh I'm not I'm not using this time right I'm you know I'm worrying about something else that I can't control right now and Mm. it can become it can become like a layered thing Mm -hmm. and I want to I want to talk about what we can do to manage to allow ourselves the chance to properly rest if we do go away but what can we do on like what would you say as a psychologist if people are feeling guilty about the idea of stepping off and turning on their out of office for you know even a couple of days even for a mini break mm-hmm. when they're thinking and it could be a work culture thing where it's like oh take the leave you can take as much leave as you want but only if you feel you really need to be gone and then it's sort of messing with your head a bit where it's like oh well 
you know, you you have to kind of advocate for yourself and be like, no, I do deserve this rest. Mm. And, and I think we need to, what I love to hear from you is getting away from this idea of it being like a luxury. Yeah. It's a necessity. So, it's an absolute So we, can't, we shouldn't feel guilty necessity. about a biological necessity. No, we absolutely shouldn't. And I think activity and inactivity are both fundamental to our to our well-being, both physical and mental, because you you need activity. We all need to be driven. We all need to step into that mode every so often. Um, but we also need to step out of it. And that is there's a reason why people who take regular breaks live longer. It's because it's better for you. So I think that's number one, is that we have to take rest really seriously, we actually have to make an effort to uh, notice if we're feeling guilty and then take steps to overcome that guilt and to remind ourselves that this is something that we're doing for our physical and mental health. And Especially without if you this, go back to those stats, you know, for adding chunks of time onto the rest of your life, mm. that's significant. That's not something to, you know, turn your nose up at. No. Um, and I think if people can ask themselves the question of, you know, it's a little bit morbid, but this is something that sometimes helps me to get perspective. If you are in a situation where you're dying, hopefully as an elderly person, having lived a long and happy life, are you going to look back and wish that you had worked more? Are you going to look back and wish that you had made time for yourself and for your loved ones more? Anytime I ask myself that question, I instantly know what the answer is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important kind of marking point for people to go, wait a second, like, what is the point? Are you working to live or living to work? Because we've probably all been guilty of falling into the the less healthy version of that. Mm. If we do say we're like, okay, I don't feel guilty about it. I'm going to book it. I'm going to go. I'm going to take my break. Um, Is it now, is it normal and natural to take? I mean, for me, it always feels like three days before I my body yeah. and my mind have are in the same place. Yeah. Um tell me about that. Is it just like residual stress, residual being in in your normal kind of routine and like I want people to know that feeling a certain amount of anxiety and stress about the idea of even taking the rest while it seems counterproductive. It's kind of to be expected and we need to sort of allow for it and Absolutely. then see well okay, I like I can acknowledge that I'm feeling a bit uneasy about switching off. I know that it's important you've told us why so now what can I do about it? I think that's a really good point and it's kind of like Christmas you know the pressure of Christmas and everybody needing to have a perfect day yeah, we do the same Christmas. thing <laughs> it's, it's so difficult I because know. we are shut up in a house with no distractions with the people we love the most in the world which is a wonderful thing but they're also they tend to be the people who trigger us the most mm-hmm. in the world and so it's an emotionally stressful and reactive kind of environment and I think holidays are the same we often have all of these expectations about how brilliant it's going to be hopefully we're there with people that we love, which brings its own stresses, as I've just said. And I think that's maybe it's about being resilient enough to to be able to cope with those things and also acknowledging, like taking the guilt away from not being able to rest perfectly all the time. Like rest becomes labour when we turn it into something that we have to work at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I have an example of this recently. I started one of those like 30 days of yoga plans that I do every, every year mm-hmm. in January. Now, I, I feel like I'm doing pretty well with it this year, but... What's happened already is it started to turn into work. So it started off as being rest. But now that I feel like I need to achieve something with it, it's become work in my mind. And holidays can become the same thing if we're putting all this pressure on ourselves to have a really good rest. Then that creates a stress and then things are going to go wrong and the whole the bottom falls out of it. So it's about 
being able to cope with when things go wrong on holidays and know that there will be stressful times in that holiday. But it's and that kind of brings the focus back on what are we doing every day? Mm-hmm. What are we how are we taking those micro rests? How are we incorporating restful things into our life on an everyday basis as well as then having those bigger breaks away that we all need um, and crave from time to time? And what would you say would be a useful thing to keep in mind when it just the the idea of going away at all? Sometimes if it means stepping away from a super high pressure job and you don't know what you're going to go back to or you feel you know, you're letting anyone down in the office by leaving... That's the kind of anxiety that I feel like people need to allow for to a certain extent. And then because 46% of people who do travel are still working when they're on official annual leave, what do you advise or what do you suggest that helps us around that? Because... Like, I do think the phone makes that very difficult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What boundaries do you think we could do? Or, or are, there, are there things that you would advise people to do? And it's probably more of like a productivity question before we go to like allow ourselves to support ourselves enough to be able to switch off without things cropping up in our mind, mm. you know, when we're out in the pool with our family. Mm. I think it's a tricky one. And I think it's different if you work for yourself versus working with an organisation like well, it, it's similar in some regards in that we all need support to know that it's OK to turn off. And sometimes that isn't there in organisations. So if you're working with an organisation or within uh, a kind of family system, even that expects you to be responsible all the time, it's very difficult to turn off from the guilt of that. But there are things we can do. I think putting on your out of office, letting people know that you will not be responding, having a separate email address. So even if you have the same phone for work as you do for your personal life, not checking your work email address, um, not, you, you know, you have to put energy into avoiding the things that are work related for you because it becomes our kind of go to to just go, oh, I'll just I'll just check. Mm. So just kind of noticing that impulse and reminding yourself that actually in the long term, that's worse for you rather than better. And that I think there's something really important that we all kind of need to realise at some point, too. And again, we need permission and support sometimes to, to acknowledge this. Very few of us are irreplaceable for a short period Mm -hmm. of time. We can usually step away and the world doesn't fall apart. And that's just something for us to really acknowledge that the things that we're leaving behind are still going to be there in a week. And it's rare for something really catastrophic to unfold in that scenario. I also heard of an interesting thing which might bring about a bit of initial anxiety for people. But, you know, when you come back after a big break, just deleting everything in your inbox and trusting that if it's really important it'll come back to you and it's probably if they don't it was probably irrelevant and that can be super liberating but also maybe a little bit a little bit terrifying I can feel my terror going up I'm like (laughs) but but actually I can see the merit in it because then you're not getting pulled into these conversations that happened a week or 10 days previous that your your mind isn't even getting dragged into it and it it will come back to you so I can I can see the the use of it when you talk about the different ways of resting um, and say we're going away with a family and, and someone's idea of, like my in-laws, for example, they'd rather gouge their eyeballs out than sit by a pool all day. And now that I'm a parent, I want nothing but to do that. Mm-hmm. But they'd be climbing mountains, they'd be doing that, this, that and the other. Is it is there a worry that if you subscribe to someone else's idea of rest, you're actually going to feel more stress and not get the benefit of it because it's it's something that's not conducive to you, to your idea of rest and vice versa? I think it's really important to bear it in mind. Like you will probably know yourself if a holiday that you're planning isn't, doesn't feel restful, seems like work to you. And also I think maybe something that can help us on holidays, even when they don't go according to plan, is 
scheduling in our rest times on holiday. You need your daily nap. You do need your daily nap. (laughs) You can get it. You need your daily nap. You might need your daily whatever it is, your read or your bit of exercise. And it's so varied. Again, going back to the the rest test, it's really interesting just the numbers of different types of um, activities that people mentioned. So at number 25 is thinking about the past. Um, At number 10 is watching TV. Uh, What do you think number one is? the most restful thing that people mention. Walking in nature. Reading. Yeah. Unless you're reading a horrifying thriller. (laughs) But for me, yeah, I can't read during the day unless I'm on holiday because it makes me super, it gets me so relaxed that it makes me super duper sleepy. Oh, that's so okay. So it's like an extreme form of rest. Yeah, it's really like turbocharging it for me and watching ASMR videos is my my latest thing, which is a whole other episode. Um, (laughs) But there is being out in nature, uh, making drinking tea or coffee, travelling on long train journeys, engaging mm -hmm. in physical activity, sexual activity, running, Grooming, which I think refers to not getting hair. Wax. <laughs> that cannot be part yeah, of rest. No, no. <laughs> oh my god! It's also worth mentioning. I mean, for me, my idea of a holiday and you know what it looks like has changed dramatically since I became a parent. Mm. And it's not the always the pina colada, mm-hmm. you know, getting a tan situation. It's there can be you know you're 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 just parenting in a warmer climate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there must be something significant in the well-being, the psychology, the well-being of your family as a unit or your children when they get the version of you that's not also dialed in and plugged into work um, for like your kind of holistic collective health as a family. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know? Kids are, I mean, first of all, the majority of mental health problems actually start in, in childhood and adolescence. Wow. Uh, we are sponges. And... Kids are completely dependent on their parents or the caregivers around them to do something called regulation. So that's where your kid is an overwhelming emotion because they don't know how to manage their feelings. And we help their system to downregulate by speaking calmly, by holding them, by touch, by breathing, by whatever it is. So their their nervous system starts to mirror ours. Mm -hmm. So if we're in a heightened state of stress and our kid is in a heightened state of stress, we are less able to help them to regulate their big emotions. So if we're managing our stress or taking those breaks or in that kind of rest and restore state, we're able then to help our kids manage those things a little bit more effectively. And I say that without wanting parents to feel any guilt around this because I think there's just so much guilt in parenting anyway. But I, but I it think... Does, it doesn't have to necessarily be that you're super chilled out. It's just that you're super present with them yeah. and maybe giving them undivided attention for a portion of the time on your holiday and yeah. that just does wonders to regulate yeah. them and validate them and because we want to we want to look after our mental health before mental health issues become a thing so exactly I do yeah. think like it's probably a, another we could do a whole other conversation on rest f- with family in mind and what rest looks like with kids because it's definitely not the same as it used to be no. for me anyway yeah um, I think that's really important as well just thinking about expectations of holidays yeah you know so many people I know who've, who have kids say that it is just parenting in a different place and so that's going to be an inevitable stress because parenting can be quite stressful. And so um, I think just even having that expectation in your mind is something that helps people then to navigate the stress of holidays. I did have a pretty stressful holiday last year and I think I went into it with a picture of what rest should look like in my head and you know, we ended up kind of bailing early and I felt guilty and I felt like I wasn't getting the value of rest and you know, I just kind of blown all this money and this year, well we were at the time we're like, we're never going anywhere again. (laughs) Um, We 
we're just going into it with a completely different mindset mm. and it's just a time for us to get right down to our son's level to meet his needs and because his like him being regulated and him feeling at ease means we feel at ease yeah and I, as a parent you know, for so much of my own ability to relax it, it unfortunately it's so linked mm. with him like if my son is stressed out then I'm stressed out so mm. I think a huge motivation for me as a parent now, if I struggle with my own, you know, because I work for myself. So sometimes it's hard, like we were saying before we were recording, to step away because when I work for myself, um, and I mentioned this, you know, in the intro, you, yes, you're your own boss and yes, you can, you know, create your own boundaries. But if you're not like actively working, you're not necessarily earning Mm, any money. mm. But for me, if I can, if I struggle to allow it for myself, at least I can bring in the significance of how important the rest is not just for me, but for my son. Yeah. And like, he's just such a priority of mm. mine now, mm. obviously. And he's watching you rest. And I, I think need to model it for him. That modeling is so important so that he grows up knowing this, that rest is important. Rest is valuable. Rest is fine. There's nothing bad about it. It's to be encouraged. This this time when we're going away, it's like lo- low expectations, just no expectations. We just want to be there. We're going to roll with it, you know, leave work stress if we as much as we can at the door. Like you say, going back to that question of when you look back and they're only little for so long, I don't want to have spent the time that we have worrying about something that'll, if it's important enough, it'll come back to me mm-hmm. later on. Um, and yeah, so just I suppose to wrap up, I mean, the British Airways holiday, their latest YouGov survey found that 79% of those asked agreed that taking a break is so good and important for their mental health. But we know that only 50% of them are actually even using their annual leave. So there's a discrepancy there of maybe we we kind of know it's important but we're not doing it. What can mm. we say just to remind those people who are thinking it's it's too much of a a luxury and not not a necessity. Your health is not a luxury. This impacts your health. If you don't value your health, which I think is 0% of people out there, then fine, don't take a rest. If you do value your 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 health, then you need to take a rest. I think it's it's helpful also to book it in. If you're going, oh God, but I don't know when I'm going to have time. Book now for September. Just book it in and it is there and it's done and you know that you have X amount of time off. I don't know about for you, but once I have something booked, even if it's a weekend away or a night away, it actually allows me to almost relax a little bit more now, even though it might be weeks or months in advance. Absolutely. And I think if you have something booked in and you've committed to it, it makes it much easier then to change your mindset around it Mm -hmm. and give yourself the permission to go then if you go oh well maybe I'll go away in June or September you don't book it in you'll find an excuse it's a non-negotiable for me and it's not only is it like I mean most things that are good for us that are non-negotiable are not necessarily super enjoyable but you know like rest is if you give it a chance and you allow yourself to meet yourself where you're at give yourself time you know, go into it, step away from the phone and you'd be surprised how quickly you can kind of get into that rest yeah. and restore mindset. Yeah. Claire, thank you so much. I think we covered a lot there yeah. um, and I so appreciate your expert input and it's a good reminder for me as well, you know, to to know, to remember the psychology and the impact, especially those zones of living that we can mm. spend such a long time in um, and that there is another area there of the rest and restore, which is so worthy of our attention. So thank you. And I hope that this episode will have been helpful for those listening. Happy resting. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of the podcast. I hope it was helpful for you. Brought to you, of course, by British Airways Holidays. 
If this has inspired you to take your holidays more seriously, you can head to ba.com forward slash holidays. British Airways Holidays encourages everyone to prioritize their well-being, and so do I, by taking their holidays seriously. Alongside competitive pricing, their offerings include a 24-hour helpline, carefully selected hotels, at-all protection, and a generous 23 kilogram per person baggage allowance. Moreover, securing your holiday requires just a £60 per person deposit, so customers can relax, rejuvenate and switch off. Search ba.com forward slash holidays for more. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.